This week on Dig Me Out. And I started having this like weird deja vu because I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like, there's parts in this song which sound like parts that I've heard before. Tim and Jay review The Din Pedals by The Din Pedals. I'll sustain you to find a way unless I clean away to me. And the pictures they are turning red till you find a shot again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host Tim Minichi and joining me for episode 178, as always, my co-host Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are back this week with another requested review. Requested, requested review. review. Dramatic pause there. Uh, we are tackling an album that was brought to us by uh, Adam Rogan, I think is how it's pronounced. It's R-O-G-A-H-N. I hope I pronounced that right. Adam, thank you for bringing this album to our attention. And it's a band called The Din Pedals. Now, Jay, I, I believe at some point in the past, you may have owned this record and you may have actually given it to me to check out. Is that true? I did own it. I think it was um, part of the, uh, the season one swap that you and I did. Okay. And, uh, when you had the concept for the show, and I think we both kind of dug through our vaults and uh, threw stuff at each other, and this was one that I think I, I shared with you at that point. Yeah, because I had this record, and I'm pretty sure I didn't buy it at any point. Um, the album cover looked familiar, so it probably mm. had seen it in the used bins. Pretty sure that I got this from you, and as with a lot of records that I, I got and that we didn't put on the schedule, I, I never actually listened to it. I might have like scanned it for a second just to see if it was something that I was peaked by but i tried to stay actually away from a lot of records now so that i don't uh know them before we're actually gonna review them if i'm not familiar with them to begin with that way they're, they're fresh when i get them do you remember where you ended up getting this record from was this a, a bmg purchase or was this a used bin or how, how'd you end up with this this was a used bin i think it was even a, a cut out used bin selection um like, you know, it was cut out, somebody bought it, and then <laughs> I ended up buying it used. Um, but, and, and I don't remember if um, if I had heard a single or if I just bought it based on the album cover. I'm sure it was probably like a dollar, you know, or $2 or something ridiculously cheap because, like I said, it was bought third hand. But yeah, I, I want to say it was uh, real late 90s, right? Yeah, so, and we'll get into this in the um, in the history of the band. But, uh, yeah, this is a 98 release, so very late, late 90s. Adam uh, gave us some notes when he uh, made the suggestion. He said they were played on radio very briefly. Ashtray was the single. Emotional Drugs was on a 90s soundtrack. Very Brit rock influenced. Singer went on to sing for Palo Alto and then Golden State. Now, I think that you own the Palo Alto record, too. Is I that do. correct? I do. Did you know it was the same singer? I don't think so. Well, there you go. The Palo Alto album came out in 2000, so it was two okay. years after this. Okay. The first Palo Alto record. Um, so let's get some history of this band. History of the band. The band actually formed in 1991. They were initially a power trio without a vocalist. There were It was guitarist, who only goes by the name Harrison, Bassist Ben DeJong and drummer James Grundler. The group rehearsed for a year before playing live. The threesome 
continue to look for a vocalist while drummer Grundler would occasionally do some singing. Uh, they finally decided to make Grundler the front man when they met Alex Wong, who was a classically trained percussionist. So he took over the drums from Grundler, and Grundler moved to the lead vocal duties. They moved from their hometown of San Luis Obispo in California to Los Angeles and signed with Epic in February of 1997. One year later, February of 1998, they released their self-titled album on Sony Records. So one year after signing, album comes out, and then that's it. Uh, Grunler went on to another band, which we mentioned, the Palo Alto. I released a couple of records with that band, and then uh, the band Golden State was the third band that he was in. And I don't know what he's currently up to. That's the history of the Din Pedals. If you would like to suggest an album for us to review like Adam did, please visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. We got a little bit of uh, feedback from Sean Michael Foster on our Facebook page. He said, always saw them as Radiohead Light. Sadly, James has a killer voice, though. And um, he also said James went on to form Palo Alto, which I mentioned. He said he prefers the latter. Saw both of the bands several times. John Michael Foster, our resident L.A. band uh, expert. Saw many of the bands that when he, while he was out in L.A. So let's talk a little bit about the Din Pedals, Jay. And let's talk about what we liked and what we did not like about this record. Let's put it out, out there right up front. Um, this is a late 90s band. And if you like Radiohead, there's a good chance that you're going to like this band. They do a lot of what Radiohead does. And they, the vocalist has, there's as he mentioned, there's comparisons to uh, Tom York. So in that respect, um, because I'm a, I'm a Radiohead fan, especially of the Ben's OK Computer era, I do like some of the later stuff, but that's sort of my prime time for Radiohead. Uh, I do like musically what's going on a lot here. Um, I think they really create some interesting dynamics um, loud, quiet dynamics, and not just in the traditional, you know, verse-chorus sense, but they do some interesting things, um, just in terms of the way they add guitars or um, b- b- layer things with acoustics and electrics and whatnot. And musically, they're able to, I think, create a little bit of separation between themselves and and Radiohead, and forge a little bit more of a, I guess, an original path. What, is, what were some things that stood out that you liked about the record? Well, they're certainly competent musicians. Um, they're talented. You know, this is a talented singer. Um, he's got a good voice. There's some pretty creative guitar work on here. Um, maybe more so from a tone and effect standpoint. Um, but it's certainly, you know, full and lush sounding. Um you know, so everybody's a good player. You know, the drum, the drums are good, production is good. So there's certainly nothing in in the way of that that's a problem. I think the quality of the songwriting is pretty solid. You mm-hmm. know, I think it's um, good alternative rock. Um, yeah, fairly middle of the road. Um, you know, there's some songs on here that um, have some legitimate hooks. Um, you know, lyrically, it's it's sort of in the YouTube vein of 
or maybe like Radiohead, the bands, in that you know there's some there's some deep things sort of hinted at and alluded to, but it's you know obscure enough that you it doesn't get overly heavy. So you know I think in regards to that, there's you know it's solid. There's nothing about it that kind of screams um, you know incompetence or overindulgence or you know any of those negative things um i think the the biggest negative is just you know it, it's it's very derivative so as we get into the things that you know um potentially don't work about the record you know it's probably going to be mostly around that um aspect and i you know i i'm not i'm not the kind of person that necessarily you know dislikes a band because they show their influences um even if those influences you know um are contemporaries of them uh, as long as it's done in a authentic way uh, in a confident way I can at least give it a chance so mm-hmm. even though some of this material is is derivative of, of other bands um, you know Radiohead obviously I also hear quite a bit of U2 um, especially yeah. 90s era U2 um, I also hear Our Lady Peace when they get heavy so a song like Downtown Sister, um, while it has an intro that's a very Nirvana-ish riff, by the time they get to the full song, it feels a lot like um, an Our Lady Peace song to me. Um, the same thing with Naked is Foreign, which is probably the other most up-tempo you know, rock song on the record. He has, um, especially in some of the louder songs, he kind of gets into that Rain Meta era, area of yep. making weird sounds and, you know, <laughs> kind of you know, weird, chirpy sounds and uh, affectations and things. But, but yeah, I, I think it's completely competent. I think it's just a matter of song by song, you know, when you hear the influence, whether or not you forgive them for it or you know you can kind of get into the song regardless of of knowing um who else it sounds like right i think part of the what i don't like i'm gonna divide this in the two halves grundler's voice he i mean he can't help the fact you know um he's a tenor tom york's a tenor tenor they're in the same range vocally um they're, they're clearly both singing from like the mouth as opposed to like and they have there's a touch of nasal 
that you mentioned with like the Rain Media stuff. And they get into that falsetto. They both do that falsetto that Tom York does, and, and that's what James Grunler's doing, and you know, that's what Rain Media does from time to time. You know, those are that's what's in the, the toolbox. It's when he starts to some of these, some of those affectations that those singers have, he starts to incorporate those. That's when I start to get a, a little bit like leery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think about like what singers of the '90s were probably the most copied, or uh, or you know used as, uh, were blatantly used as influences. You know, a lot of people party to like you know Eddie Vedder because you get like your your seven Mary threes and your creed and you know, those like gruff bellowing singers. And then you got your guys like Lane Staley from Allison chains. I don't think you have God smack without, you know, Allison chains. Uh, but I think probably Tom York is up there. It's probably maybe the number one guy. Cause there was, there's a billion wannabe Radiohead bands yeah. after that between Tom York and Jeff Buckley. Those two, doing that you know really big dramatic emotional vocal Mm -hmm. um i don't think there's anybody that's been quite as emulated as as much as maybe tom york and and to a lesser extent jeff buckley jeff buckley's just harder to do because he's just a much more talented you know vocalist a much bigger range well you know Uh, what's funny is um I, i i agree i also think that it might be a case where a lot of those bands that are derivative of him are not successful. <laughs> uh, so they're, I think they're coming on our radar a lot more. Like mm-hmm. we're both radio, Radiohead fans. So I think we first off had an affinity to at least try those bands out. So I think we're aware of a lot of them. Um, I also think really none of them worked. The only way I can think of is Muse that eventually right. started out in that category and has since really become their own band. You know, I think at this point, the Radiohead comparisons are pretty thin. Um, I, I certainly think on the first record, there's a lot there, but yeah, uh, they've grown into a whole different thing. But, but that's the only one I can think of that started in that that category, and it was actually successful. So I also think that we're just aware of more of them, not only personally, but because of this show, you know, and covering obscure bands. Well, I think you could point to bands like Travis and Coldplay as drawing equally from... U2 and, and Radiohead. Travis more so on the second record. I think the first record is actually more original. If that's, a, you know, I mean, they're driving, obviously drawing from Oasis and, you know, the Britpop bands of the 90s. But when they, the Man Who is a much more subdued affair. And it's a much more, it sounds like they listen to a lot of the mellower Radiohead songs like Fake Plastic Trees and, you know, Streets, not Street Spirit, but some of the other mellower Radiohead tracks, yeah, and it used the same producer as OK Computer. So um, I think that there are some bands, but I think Fran Healy has enough of a uh, of a difference in his voice that it's not as blatant with regards to the influence. Yeah, no. Now, one of the issues that I I did that was my part two of my what I didn't like was you know I, I get the. You know, the Benz musically and, and OK Computer musically are pretty unique records. But uh, I got to track seven, which is Aliens. Yeah. 
And I started having this like weird deja vu because I'm I'm listening to it and I'm like, there's parts in this song which sound like parts that I've heard before. <laughs> if you say the song that I'm thinking of, I'm gonna fall out of my chair. So I, I started A and Bing it, you know, A Bing it with another song. Uh-huh. And the first part that I, I I caught was the guitar solo, which is that little part that goes do 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 Yeah. So I, I started going, you know, go to Radiohead first because that's the band that just draws comparison. And there's a song called Lucky by Radiohead off of yeah. OK Computer. Mm-hmm. And the guitar solo starts out almost exactly the same. Yeah. Now, the guitar solo on the Din Pedal song changes it towards the end. He uses to play some different notes. But it's the it's the, the way that the notes are played at the beginning and then the sort of the pattern that's followed yeah. is almost identical. thing was there's like a turnaround chord progression where in lucky uh at the end of the chorus he sings the line about standing on the edge he plays a um and i actually went and looked up the chords and played them myself to make sure that i was doing this right he plays a c7 to a b7 and then and i played it against the chords at the end of the chorus in aliens and it's the exact same chords and i was like this is basically just a sped up uh, lucky like yeah and i so first i was like wait a minute uh, okay computer came out in may of 97 and this came out this album came out in february of 98 that's a pretty quick turnaround to be able to hear that song you know there's a good chance that they had already written that song you know this, this is a band that had been together for you know at this point seven years mm-hmm. so what was the odds that they heard okay computer and instantly turned around and wrote a song that sounded like something unlucky then I remembered that Lucky actually appeared on the Help compilation two years earlier. It came out in 1995, before OK Computer came out. And that was the compilation that had the Manic Street Preachers doing Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, and there was an Oasis song on there, and Blur. It was all these British bands doing a... Actually, it was a cool recording where they, they recorded... Each of the bands recorded their songs on a Monday. All the songs got mixed on a Tuesday, and the album was released on a Saturday. Huh. And it was for, like, children of war in Bosnia, Herzegovina in the mid-90s. And they raised, uh-huh. like, a million pounds t- for the kids. And right. um, But it was a cool concept in the release of the record. Nonetheless, it made me realize, oh, they had actually two years of access to this song. Because that was a pretty big compilation that came out because of all the bands that came out and when it came out. Right. So that sort of pissed me off. Because then I was like, 
Okay, this actually is a ripoff of Lucky. Yep. So what did you hear? <laughs> well, first off, I I mean it sounded incredibly familiar. So I'm I you know I you mentioned Lucky. That's probably one of the songs I was thinking of. Obviously, um, <laughs> I kept thinking of whenever they get to the. I guess it's the end of the first lines every time. So it's like when they get to that part, mm-hmm. I keep thinking he's going to say putting on the Ritz. <laughs> putting on the, he doesn't say the, the last note is different, but it like, it leads up the same, like melodically. If you just strip down the vocal melody, like the notes they're playing there. And in that first half of that line, it's a, you know, it's basically the same melody. Wow, I did not expect you to go there. <laughs> so I once I heard that little melody part, I just in my head every time I heard it, I would just, you know, mentally you can't stop yourself from like want, you know, that's a song you've heard you've lived in the United States of America in the 80s you heard 6 billion times. So, um the other one was a song right after it. Uh Hands for Rosie's show. Uh it sound the chorus, I think it's the chorus. Sounds like Street Spirit. Um, even lyrically, he's saying, he says like, I'll break something about break, break out your hand. <laughs> it's instead of saying, right. Uh, you know, that, that melody from street spirit, what is he saying? Um, I don't remember what the lyrics are, but, um, it's the same melody though. Right. It even leads into it the exact same way. And you're like, oh, and once you hear it, you're like, oh my God. Um, you know, and it kind of, it doesn't have as much drama as Street Spirit does, but it starts, you know, with picking guitar and, um, and then by the time you get to that part, which is a very melodically, very, very, very close. Those are, and they're right. Those two songs are right next to each other. Um, and it's just the most crucial part of any record. You know, I think we say this week after week, it seems like, you know, between track five and, and, and like nine is when a lot of these records fall apart and these two songs are at seven and eight so i think it's just when you're on the journey and you start getting the record i think we're both sounds like we're on the same page where we're like we're going back and forth like oh this is pretty cool i hear some influences okay and then all of a sudden you're seven songs in and all you know it goes from being slightly derivative to wow this is the same part right <laughs> like wait a minute uh you know I, I think the from there the album um it recovers a little bit i think waterfall is one of my favorite songs on the record um i think it's as close to them being themselves as they're gonna get with all your simple it sounds like a mini band i guess i would say it sounds maybe like the verb a little bit um in terms of being more of a ballad kind of thing um but 
at that point, once you hear those two songs and you you hear how close they are to uh, Radiohead, it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to hear the band the same way again. Yeah, and then yeah, you know when you listen to like the last song, Plastic, and the way that it's not even the chords he's playing; it's just the way that that guitar is mic'd, that acoustic. It reminds me a lot of High and Dry, like the, the the amount of reverb that's on it and stuff like that. And there's just like little touches where, like, I know you're not playing the exact same thing, but man, it really sounds close to what they did. Yep. The use of tremolo here, the you know that they used in like Planet Telex, or you know that the way that this acoustic guitar is mic'd, or um, the way that the, the drum pattern in this particular song, like there's just a little bit of here and there where you're like, mm, it's a little too close. Yeah. It's, it's, when then they get, and then on like you, you mentioned on, you know, on, on eight and then I mentioned on seven, they just go full bore into straight up just fucking notes and stuff, which I think, I, I think he's saying like, hold out your hand and radio head says fade out again. But it's and it's the same melodically. It's almost the same melody. Wow, in that song. Okay, I, I like uh, you know as I listen to the record more, I was trying to find the spots where this band was as close to being original as possible. Uh, Waterfall was one spot. I think the the remaining other spot is probably Ashtray, the single. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's it's definitely to me the strongest song on the record and the and the most interesting in that. You know, from a rhythmic standpoint, in the in the kind of the bed of that song, it's almost like a reggae kind of groove, and the guitar is a little bit more atmospheric, and it's just it just gets out of that Radiohead kind of space enough for them to be themselves. Obviously, you know, it was a single, so it's it's fairly hooky and it's a pretty strong chorus. Um, It picks up momentum in the chorus and. You know, all said, I think that's probably the best song on the record for me. think that the album actually starts out pretty strong and you get through the first 
five or six songs, you know what they're, you get it. Okay, I got, I know what this band is about, and they're competent. They're, they have, there's some talent here. You can sing, they can play, and if you're gonna know, you know, if this is my cup of tea, you're gonna know it. It's just when you get into the back half of the record, and then you're like, this is becoming more derivative and more, like, yeah. more and more derivative. Yeah. Um, I wish that they used the back end of the record to become more unique and be more experimental. I would have actually liked to hear this band on the back end get a little bit weirder and try some things as opposed to it sounded like on the back end of the record they there's less confidence in themselves as, a, as an original band and they're, they're falling back on their influence even more and more um, which is troubling. Um, <laughs> I, I think they were trying some things. I think they were trying to sound like Radiohead at the end right. of the record. <laughs> Which is funny because I think, obviously, pa- Palo Alto sounds like Radiohead. Well, now. it's the name of a Radiohead song. Yeah, and I think the difference between the two bands is that this sounds like the Ben's Radiohead and Palo Alto sounds more like uh, OK Computer Radiohead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they both sound like Radiohead. I wonder okay. what Golden State sounds like. Kid A. <laughs> you think so? I go, that would be my guess. Oh, man. That would be my guess. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk some ratings here. Okay, let's talk about what were the album better EP or decent single. Where would you be at? Well, I think the tricky part is like I started off. You know, it's it's competent. You put it on, you're not gonna. It, you know, if you like '90s alt rock, you're probably not gonna turn it off. You're just not gonna reach for it. You know, when if you. With access now to, to all the music that we all have access to at, at the tip of our fingers here, that uh, you're probably not going to go back to it very often, unless you're just in a mood of like you want to hear a bunch of '90s Radioheadish bands. You know what I mean? Because let's face it, Radiohead have made only made two records that really sound like that. Um, even the first one is pretty different from those two. So right. if you really like that sound, and this is one of the reasons why I don't immediately write off a band that's a little bit derivative because. You know, frankly, there's some there's been some sounds in rock and roll that I just love, and sometimes it's the band that originated it, and sometimes it's them and some other bands that followed them. You know, ACDC is another good example. Um, I love ACDC, and I love a lot of bands that are derivative based ACDC because I just like that sound. So, right, if you like that era of Radiohead and you want to hear more of it, because Radiohead's not going to give it to you, <laughs> you know, this is one of many other places you can you can get it from. So. Um, from that standpoint, I was I was wanting to justify this being a full record, but I think based on um, just how derivative it is, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with an EP. I think Ashtray is the standout song. I think you could sprinkle in enough from the beginning of the record, maybe Waterfall, and um, have a solid EP that, without the context of the other material. Um, I think it would be stronger from material from a just song standpoint, but also you'd be more forgiving of it, you know, being so close to Radiohead. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm also at an EP, and I think it's the first half of the record that I'm comfortable with. Yeah, being those songs being on the EP, I just I feel like like I said earlier, I think once you get into the back half of the record, it just sort of it's not as interesting because they're not they don't sound like them anymore. <laughs> they sound they, it's it's all of a sudden it's finally find the band or find the yeah. song that they're you know borrowing from so 
Uh, that's it for us on the Din Pedals. We want to thank Adam for making this suggestion. This was one that, as Jay mentioned, we had way back in uh, Season 1 we were c- considering talking about. So I'm glad we got to uh, finally get around to it. If you want to suggest an album for us to review, head on over to the Dig Me Out page, digmeoutpodcast.com, request a review. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, whether it's on Radio IO or Stitcher or iTunes. Uh, you can always hit us up at digmeoutpodcast.com on a daily basis for news, upcoming episodes, videos, and whatnot all week. So uh, that's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another listener review on Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Don't you go where fashion sits, putting on the ritz.